This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Certifications. Stand out from the crowd and illustrate your dedication to the industry and professional development by earning one of four professional designations for supervisors, suppliers, managers, and executives. Learn more at bscai.org slash certification. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from the Building Service Contractors Association International. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I'm your host, Lauren Leocoris. On this episode, I speak with Tim Murch, Chairman and CEO of 4M Building Solutions, about his journey in the industry, building a successful company, and what company culture means to him. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversity, Karcher, and Team Software. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscai.org partners. Tim, thank you so much for being part of Contracting Conversations. Happy to have you on this episode. How are you today? Very good. Thank you. Glad to be on it and share a story with the world out there. Absolutely. So, Tim, to start us off, what drew you to the building services industry and what was the catalyst for you to start your own company? Yeah, it's really a great story. I really grew up in the business as a kid and then it went on from there. My father, Mitch Merch Sr., was a depression child and started doing anything and everything that he could as a kid with his father working two jobs during the war. And uh, his mother died when he was 14. So he was pretty much on his own and, and a survivor. Ended up putting himself through college at University of Missouri and then ended up selling janitorial supplies. And all his customers said they wish that their janitor would be able to make the floors look like he did when he did his demonstrations. So one thing led to another, and one of his customers said that his janitor was retiring and would he like to quote on the building? So he went in that building that night and cleaned the bathrooms that had already been cleaned, vacuumed the carpets that had already been vacuumed, emptied the ashtrays at that point in time that had already been emptied so that he could figure out how long it would take. He got the job, and long story short, with two baby girls, my older sisters, he was working 18, 20 hours a day on both jobs and then ended up getting enough accounts where he quit the daytime janitorial sales supply business and was full-time in the janitorial services. Then he moved on and was very involved in forming the um, Building Service Contractors Association. And then he became in contact with several other companies that were merging their company. And that was in 1969. He calls that mistake number one. He took it all in stock. The stock was at 24. It was supposed to triple and it ended up going down to two and an eighth. So here's my company and here's this worthless piece of stock certificate. So as I said, that's mistake number one. And then he ended up moving on to what he referred to as mistake number two, which is building an ice rink. And in the early 70s, hockey was going gangbusters and ice rinks were popping up all over town. And long story short, 
the energy crisis hit. He had three universities that he committed for ice time. Uh, he had a manager stealing them blind. It was a perfect storm in the worst way. And he ended up selling it for 50 cents on the dollar, was advised to go bankrupt and didn't as a depression child and his integrity. He didn't want to leave anybody hanging out to dry, but he didn't know how he was going to pay him back. But he did over time. And that's, that's another story. So shortly after that, he had the opportunity to get back in the business through one of his former customers that wasn't happy. And he was 50 years old and he ended up visiting with me and growing up in the business. I said, I don't see any reason why we can't do it two, three times better than you did before. So I said, I'm in. And he said, all right, here's the deal. I was a junior in college. He said, you got to get out next year. And I said, okay. So I quit playing hockey team my senior year, cleaned the building seven nights a week, and then took 23 hours my last semester to get out in four years and come in and help out on weekends and whatnot. So he ended up going back in business when he was 50 with zero money and borrowed $36,000 from his best friend to cover payrolls and buy the equipment. And we were in business 30 days later. So it's that was October 1, 1978. So it's really a uh, incredible story of coming from nothing and then actually losing it a couple times and then starting over. So I was blessed to have one of the best mentors in the industry and a partner. And then I ended up buying him out over time. Wow. That is incredible. So Forum Building Solutions has been part of the industry for several decades. What trends or changes have you observed as an industry leader during that time? As mentioned, my father, Mitch Sr., was one of the founders of BSCAI in 1966 and a charter member. And the purpose of the association at that point in time was nobody had anywhere to go for any resources or benchmarking or best practices. So it was really uh, being a resource of education specifically for our industry. The association obviously has taken our industry to a much, much higher level of expertise and professionalism with its numerous education programs all the meetings that they have throughout the year, the educational events, and a lot of specific industry certifications like the RBSM, the CBSE, and the supervisor certifications. So many things have changed through the years, although the business and industry have always remained fairly consistent in what we do and how we do it, who we work for, and the ongoing labor challenges that are always out there, more so now than ever. But if it was that easy to hire and manage team members, along with providing a consistent level of the expected quality and expertise, our customers would be doing it themselves, right? So uh, that's why we're in business. What has changed significantly through the years is really innovation, technology, and an overall higher sophistication and professionalism of our amazing and now very essential recognized industry. So innovation in the form of supplies and equipment that allow us to provide our services much more efficiently and much greater increased productivity with equipment such as HEPA backpack vacuums and now battery operated equipment of all kinds, riding scrubbers, scrubbers, robotic equipment, and numerous other specialty equipment that saves labor and increases quality. So it allows us to be more competitive, pay our team members more and provide a better job for our customers. And then technology in the form of the use of, for instance, for our utilization, we utilize a CAD computer-assisted drafting program for specific customized engineer job loading. 
the engineering of each account for each individual type account. We also have industry-specific leading edge software programs and platforms for quality control, timekeeping, inventory, labor management, training, onboarding, recruiting, customer prospecting, CRMs, and safety. And I'm sure I'm forgetting several others, but technology has come a long way and will continue to, especially now with AI. We now look and talk and act a lot more like our customers as extensions of their team and their department that they count on to support them more than ever because they're all doing a lot more with a lot less resources. You know, what was a three-person department of facilities or our building management team is, is now one or two. And what was five is now two or three. So uh, anything we can do to take off their plate as an extension of their team is uh, valued. And then with COVID, it significantly elevated our industry to be, as I mentioned before, truly essential and critical to the safety, health, and well-being of all of our team members, our customers, and then their facilities, employees, or occupants. And we are looked upon now as an industry by our customers, as an essential service that once may have been considered or generalized as a commodity. And with that, now we provide everyone in the facilities the necessary peace of mind with a clean and disinfected facilities and workplaces. So customers now understand and truly appreciate the real value of what we do every day and every night. And customers also now understand the need to pay much higher wages since they're all going through the same labor challenges themselves. So it's all relative now where before they really didn't have those challenges. So it's much easier to give them options on higher wage increases for their team members that they can buy into and accept. Also more vertical market segments continue to realize outsourcing the services that we provide is much more cost-effective along with a higher level of consistent quality with our industry expertise. And this continues to provide growth opportunities for all contractors. An example of this would be the educational market where at one point in time, they were mostly all in-house and now most of them are going to contract. And that's just one specific vertical market. And as chairman and CEO, what is most important when building a healthy company culture where your employees can succeed? At 4M, we're incredibly proud of the amazing culture that every one of our 4,000 team members lives each day and night. And this just didn't happen overnight. And it's been a continuous, ongoing, major effort and a huge part of our success. So here's how I feel about culture and how important and impactful it is. I'm just going to read a little statement here. He said, as a leader that must drive the culture, it's your most important job. Your most important job as a leader is to drive the culture. And not just any culture. You must create a positive culture that energizes and encourages people, fosters connected relationships and great teamwork, empowers and enables people to learn and grow, and provides an opportunity for people to do their best work. Culture is just not one thing, it's everything. Culture drives expectations and beliefs, expectations and beliefs drive behaviors. Behavior drives habits, and habits create the future. So it all starts with culture you create and drive throughout your organization. And that's where all success and great results begin. So that's something that I saw many years ago, and it just resonates. Every single word of it uh, resonates with us throughout our company, and and we all work very, very hard at, at living it.
So culture is huge at 4M. So let's face it. We are all servant leaders serving our hourly frontline team members to support them the best way we can so they can serve our customers at the highest levels on a consistent basis. We put all of our hourly team members first in everything we do throughout the company as a result of this commitment. And when we take care of our team members better than everyone else, they serve our customers better than anyone else. We are committed to make sure every team member understands our culture, what we're all about, our company vision, our mission, our six corporate goals, and our four corporate values, and how important each team member is in being a very big part in each of our vision, mission, goals, and values. And when they understand that they're much more than just a cleaner, we have a much greater alignment that leads to everybody pulling harder in the same direction, allowing us to achieve our goals and initiatives quicker and more effectively with much more momentum. An example of that is our culture statement. So we developed this a couple of years ago after being in business 40-something years. And our culture statement is, it's just a few words, but what went into it was a whole lot of, of involvement by our leadership teams. So we are an exceptional family, all in and driven to win. So to explain an exceptional family, not a good family, not a great family, an exceptional family, all in. We're not kind of in, we're not sort of in, we're all, all in. And then we're all driven to win. And driven to win is competition amongst all of us, amongst our competitors. And if you're not winning, I don't think you're having too much fun. So I can go on and on about how important culture is and how hard we work at it every day and everything we do to make 4M the absolute best place to work from our viewpoint. As mentioned, we're all extremely competitive in everything we do throughout the company. Everything is measured. All scorecard metrics, status, and the results are shared with everyone very consistently. So as I mentioned, it's all about winning, right? So winning is fun. And we all have a tremendous amount of fun doing what we do with a very competitive spirit all throughout the company. So we have a tremendous amount of recognition throughout the company and love finding team members doing things right, regardless of their position. So the old adage, no news is good news and the rest is all bad. Well, I threw that out the window in the early 90s because I wanted to completely change our culture and put our team members first. So our objective is to finding team members doing things right. Because when you go on an inspection and you tell the team, everything looked pretty good, but I found this, 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 and this, that can get pretty old. So we want to make a really big deal out of finding team members doing things right. And everyone loves recognition. So if you don't, then something's probably wrong with you. So we can't recognize everyone enough at every level on a consistent basis. A few of the things that we do, we've got a, a good works program. So they're basically tickets that we find a team member doing something right. We fill it out and their name goes into a, a monthly drawing at that account. We get a lot of compliment letters from customers and occupants of our facilities. And we make a really big deal out of that. They're forwarded to me. I write a personal thank you appreciation note which may have something about being a big part of our forum exceptional family and being all in and, and driven to win uh, as a big part of our success. 
We have newsletter recognition. Our newsletter is full of, of team member recognition. We have team member spotlights. We do anniversary certificates for years of service. Every five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of service, everybody gets one. I just signed, I bet I signed just for this month, I bet I signed 60 of them. So that's very gratifying. We have pizza parties, we do Amazon card drawings, and then many other things. But doing whatever you can to recognize the team members makes a, a tremendous difference. Absolutely. And Tim, what have been some of your most memorable or notable achievements throughout your career? Oh, wow. You know, there are so many that I'm incredibly proud of and proud of our team, but probably the first and the biggest is our incredible culture, as I mentioned earlier, of 360 degree teamwork, which was one of our corporate values, which is just something we all live and breathe every day. So we're in a very tough business and probably has never been tougher with the current labor challenges. So knowing that all of our team members, and I use the word team members because we're not, we don't have employees at Forum, we don't have associates at Forum, we are all a team. So knowing all of our team members can count on each other day in and day out to do whatever it takes, whenever it takes, wherever it takes to get the job done, supporting each other, serve our customers is absolutely priceless. As mentioned, that's a, a big part of our culture. Other achievements would be going back in time when we achieved $1 million in sales revenue on a monthly basis or obviously $12 million a year in, in sales. That was an incredibly big and proud accomplishment. When you're only billing a couple million dollars a year and then you get it up to a million dollars a month, $12 million a year, that was just a huge milestone by increasing sales five times. And then by the same token, hitting our other sales and profit milestones through the years by increasing our sales and profit each year, setting achievable and stretch goals with all of our leadership teams, strategic input, innovative solutions, ownership and commitment to get us to $50 million in annual revenue. And then once we achieve that, which was called the moonshot, I'm sorry, uh, then once we achieve that to get it to $100 million, which is called the moonshot. Uh, doubling it. And now our next goal is the Mars shot, which is taking it to $150 million in, in revenue. So again, it's all about our leadership teams at every level and their incredible commitment, dedication to be a part of an industry leader while learning and growing for constant, continuous improvement every day and being open. How can we do it better? How can we be more effective? How can we serve our customers and, and team members better? So I'm just incredibly grateful for our amazing teams. And given your vast experience, what advice do you have for those looking to start their own building services business? Oh boy. Uh, I would say go for it, do it, get out of the starting gates, but do it with a plan and do it with a very disciplined plan. It's very easy business to get into, but a very, very hard business to stay into and scale. Get involved in BSCAI. Attend all their educational conferences, online, in person, wherever they may be, and learn the best practices in our industry. We all want to help each other out. I've been very blessed and fortunate to have so many companies through the years that had things in place that they were willing to share with us that we utilized and made our own throughout the many years. So that's what the association is all about. 
And then if you want to grow, again, do it with a discipline focus. Discipline with the, the type of customer, the size of the customer, the market segment, the geography that you can most effectively serve. We've made countless mistakes through the years. And the big mistake for a long time that we could serve anyone, anywhere. Sure, we can get it. Yeah, sure, we can do it. But certain market segments, such as retail, may have very early morning cleaning or even third shift cleaning, overnight cleaning, when your operations team's already working 12 hours or more per day. And now they get to work 24 hours a day, which isn't right and isn't fair if you don't have the operational infrastructure to do so. So also overextending yourself with a geographical area of coverage, it's too much for your operations team to effectively service is also a recipe disaster. We have been there and learned the hard way not to become all things to all customers in all places. So focus on what you're very good at, not trying to be a jack of all trades, to overpromise customers what you can do. So overpromising and underdelivering, it will only hurt your reputation in the marketplace if you don't come through as committed. And then I would highly encourage everyone to reinvest your income earnings back into the business. Many companies hit a wall at a, a million to $2 million in sales volume because of the financial capital needs that are needed to grow at that point in time, along with the human capital needs, which also becomes a, a financial capital need that it takes to grow. And utilize all your resources. There are more resources out there now than ever before. And I learned a long time ago that there's so many smarter people than me. So surround yourself with the best talent possible with strengths that are much greater than yours. Utilize outside resources and consultants with expertise and strategic planning that'll help you focus on your strategic initiatives and disciplines. And most importantly, get involved in the BSCAI and join a BSCAI peer group as soon as possible. Sharing best practices in a safe, confidential environment, along with being constructively critiqued for areas of improvement by industry peers is invaluable and priceless. It will ramp up and compound your success much, much faster. It was a big part of our success for many years. And lastly, never, never, ever give up. This business takes a lot of perseverance and fortitude, but it can be very gratifying knowing you're providing your customers with an outstanding service and your team members with a livelihood and unlimited growth opportunities. So I hope what I've shared today with you and everyone out there is of value to everyone and helps everyone be a better leader, a better company, and a better service provider for your customers. So great luck and much continued success to everybody in every way. Tim, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight and advice, expertise. I know our listeners are absolutely going to get value from it and your story, your incredible story as well. So again, thank you so much for being part of this episode of Contracting Conversations. And I'm looking forward to sharing this episode with our membership. All right. My pleasure and always glad to help. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and want to find out more or listen to previous episodes, head over to bscai.org 
slash podcast. There, you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.